bit about that. I I am Paul Charchi. My co-hosts today are Jay Clemens and Brian Johnson. Hello, guys. Hey, Charchi. How's it going? Good. Thank you. There's um. Let's just talk briefly about what to do if you're in a big hole, which uh, could have happened when there were 80-point game on Thursday. You're in a big hole coming into this Sunday. I think the angle here is I try to put together quarterback, wide receiver hookups and hope you get at least one and maybe two touchdowns out of that hookup. Yep. And that's a way that you can, you know, you're adding risk, but you're also adding reward into your mix. And I think that makes, uh, I think that's one of the ways that you can overcome, try to overcome the big, uh, the big lead. If you're like me and you played a sicko who had the goth girly Watkins stack on Thursday Ouch. night. Yeah, so. Ouch. Yep. I'm going to shoot for the moon this week. You got to. You know, I'm having some regret. Uh, I liked the Rams to bounce back. And if you recall back to our week one show, I had Jared Goff as my take a chance on me quarterback. I wish I just spread that analysis out over the whole season, you know, and just said, you know, for the whole season, I think Jared Goff. And I did think that I thought the whole Rams were going to be better, but I should have been a little bolder about about season long predictions with that. Um, Any quick thoughts on Cooper Cup after two straight disappointing games in the big week one? Probably a drop in redraft leagues, it's but I'm, hold, way, I'm holding in Dynasty, though. I think he's got mm-hmm. potential. And you never know with Watkins. He could go down. Uh, at, at any, any moment, yeah, right? So. Yeah. I think we need a little perspective. There was a pass, I think it was in the third quarter, where it was basically in Cup's hands, and it was knocked loose just at the very last second. Uh, he might have scored on that play as well. So it's one of those things where if he gets that play, maybe we don't even have these kind of negative feelings uh, going forward. There's been a lot of jeering over my preseason optimism for the 49ers offense, but they played two great defenses in weeks one and two, and I think what we saw what they can do when they when they get a more standard opponent, I do think there still remains a lot of upside with those Niners. Oh, yeah, no one pumped Pierre Garçon harder than us either. No, so, yeah. Uh, he, looks, Pierre, he looks incredible. He looked, how about that catch? Yeah. He, he, catch of the year is already in the books. Yep. It's over. That was catch of the year. I don't care what Odell Beckham does the rest of the season. That was catch of the year. Uh, over the course of the show, we'll do our five tough questions, our premature speculation, um, and we will give you nine guys upon whom you can take a chance. We begin rolling right into our matchups. We've got a full slate of games to get to. We begin with the Steelers taking on the Bears. Jay. Okay, uh, let's go. Uh, Big Bend, I've got him as a B for the week. Uh, the positives are the Bears rank uh, 23rd against the pass, a noticeable departure from last year's top 10 ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, on the bad side, or the meh side, uh, uh, Big Ben has accounted for just zero or one touchdown in seven of his last ten road outings. And plus, uh, for the regular season last year, uh, Ben only had nine touchdown passes and a completion rate uh, below 60% on the road. Yeah, he averages one touchdown pass per road game over the last three seasons. Uh, for Le'Veon Bell, I've got him a, you know, an A. Um, I know he's struggled a little bit, but you know the Bears have already allowed three touchdowns to opposing running backs this year, and they have the NFL's sixth worst rushing defense from last year. Plus, Bell is in that third week where you perceive him to finally be in football shape. Right. Um, he's getting the touches. He's getting the carries. Uh, James Conner's not a threat. I'm, I'm absolutely confident that mm-hmm. uh, Bell will be top five this week. Uh, among the receivers, I've got Antonio Brown as an A. Um, you know his last 15 road outings. Uh, he's had 120 yards and or one touchdown 10 times. He's not going against Xavier Rhodes. He's an easy A. Yep. I've got Martavis Bryant for a B. Um, he made the most of his four targets last week. Three catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Going against Trey Waynes, we kind of figured that would do go well. Um, Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh, uh, he's big Pittsburgh uh, Steelers that? columnist, yep. he was saying that Bryant has been the best player they've had in camp preseason all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take that into account. Um, the Bears hold bottom 10 rankings with passing yards, 
points allowed and defensive interceptions uh, this season. Uh, the only positive I can say is the Chicago secondary has held the opposing uh, wide receiver two to just four and a half catches, 43 yards, and zero touchdowns through two weeks. That said, I still like Bryant in the B category. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jesse James, I've got him as a C. On the good side, he has collected five targets in his last four outings, including the playoffs. Uh, for this season, through weeks one and two, the Bears have cumulatively allowed 169 yards receiving and wow. one touchdown to opposing tight ends. All right, so that makes James semi-relevant. Yeah, uh, on the downside, uh, James has never scored a touchdown against a non-conference foe. I know that's not a big deal, but it, it's just worth noting. Yeah. And he might have missed his window in terms of getting consistent red zone targets now that Bryant is you know, of clear mind, clear body, and Bell should be getting a lot. So there yeah. you go. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Uh, okay, for the Bears, um, let's start with Mike Glennon. I uh, didn't give him a grade this week at all. So uh, bench grade. Court, yeah, he's a bench. Okay. Uh, for the running backs, Tarek Cohen, I gave him a B. Uh, he is one of only eight NFL players, playmakers to have at least 20 targets through week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an 82% catch-to-target ratio on the season. Um, is that good? That's a great one. Okay. Yeah, that's what you want. Um, and the, the Steelers' D... Currently ranked second in sacks, so if you want to take the positive from that, that means that Glenn will have to perhaps do a lot of checkdowns, and the n- number one primary option in the checkdown would be Tarek Cohen, so a solid B. On the downside, he only has a 1.86 yards per carry uh, last last week. That's that's deplorable. Um, for the other running back, Jordan Howard, I've got him as a C grade for the week. On the good side, he collected 100 total yards and or one touchdown 13 times in his last 15 games. However, he's dealing with the shoulder concern that played itself out last week, right. and I think it will play it out this week as well. Plus, the Steelers have allowed only 148 yards rushing in two games and have yet to surrender a rushing touchdown to an actual tailback. An actual, only fictional tailback? Well, like they've given up rushing touchdowns to other positions, but not the... Not running yeah. backs. Okay, fine. Yeah, okay. That's fine. All right. Uh, then um, for none of the receivers, all, all the receivers are benched. And then I've got Zach Miller, a B grade for the week. He rack, he ranks among the top eight tight ends for both receptions and targets this year. He leads the Bears in uh, tight ends and wide receivers in targets. And last year, uh, the Steelers D ranked 20th or lower against PPR tight ends uh, in the categories of targets allowed, receptions allowed, and net yards given up as well. Thank you, Jay. Brian, Denver takes on Buffalo. Trevor Simeon leads the NFL in quarterback touchdowns with seven, but a tough matchup here as he travels to Buffalo. Well, yeah, he's on pace for 56 total touchdowns. Yeah, that'll happen. I'll take the over on that. Uh, Seriously, he should fall back to earth a little bit here. Uh, Buffalo is looking like a better run defense than pass defense, but it's a matter of how much will the Broncos have to throw the ball. But um, I'll give Simeon a a C this week. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. Uh, Over to the, uh, we'll we'll talk about his receivers. Uh, Demaryius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, I'll give both of them a B. Uh, Rarely do they both go off in the same game. Right. So uh, I took a little look at the home road splits for each. Uh, Since the start of 2015, Demaryius Thomas is averaging about the same amount of targets on the road versus at home. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, on the other hand, is averaging an extra three and a half targets per game on the road. So he gets leaned on a little more there. Okay. So you're starting both, but uh, if you're playing on a site like Fanball, I'm using the targets as a tiebreaker between the two. So I like Sanders a little more at a cheaper price tag. All right. Um, Over the running backs, C.J. Anderson, 20 carries, 25 carries in his first few games, getting true bell cow treatment. Are we going to get a bell cow sounder today? 
Fantasy Bellcow has given me uh, grief on Twitter that he didn't have his. He own didn't sound. have. He didn't no, have his own sounder sad. yet. We do. We need a bell. We do need the bell sounder. Poor Bellcow. Let's let's, oh. let's work that. Yeah, Zach. Uh, Buffalo Rundy looking. That's tough. Tony. Tony, I'm sorry. Uh, Buffalo Rundy's looking tough. They've allowed just 88 yards on 36 combined carries between the Jets and Panthers running backs. Uh, you got to keep rolling out CJ though. He looks great. Uh, only he and Mike Gillisley have double digit red zone rushes so far this year. So uh, he's an easy B, almost an A, but it is a tough matchup. And I'm benching Jamal Charles. You just want more expected points from the opposition to put Charles in play. So he's on the bench this week. Mm-hmm. Not much to talk about for Buffalo. Uh, LaShawn McCoy gets a B. In career games, following a sub-70-yard rushing performance, as okay. he had last week, yeah, he follows up with over 110 yards per game. And All he's right. had quite a few. A bounce-back candidate. He's, he's a good bounce-back player. Okay, uh, Tough matchup against it Denver. It is a tough matchup against Denver that just... The run defense just took the love of the game out of Zeke. Yeah, but there's no real desire in Zeke. You could tell he quit halfway through that game. But, yeah, eight yards on nine carries for Zeke. I'm thinking Shady will have a little bit better day. You can't bench him, obviously, but it's another mm-hmm. tough matchup for him. And Charles Clay is the only other bill worth talking about, really, in this one. I'll give him a C. Covering tight ends has proven to be a crack in the armor of Denver's defense in recent years. They allowed the seventh most catches to tight ends last year. Jason Witten was just targeted 13 times for 10 catches, 97 yeah. yards, and a touchdown. So Clay is in play. He's been he on is. the injury report, but he, uh, he'll he be suiting up on Sunday for sure. Yeah, he's inside my top 10 among tight ends. This early Saturday morning game, it's in London, and it's the early start, so be sure to get, really, today, now, go get go make sure your lineups are set for these guys. Uh, for whatever it's worth, dating back to 2012, of the 11 games played in London, the average points are 53 points per outing. That's a courtesy of Jay who sent me that stat. Thank you for that. Uh, so we tend to think of those games as being moribund, uh, but actually there's been a lot of points to be had in the past few games. But I, I don't love this matchup, and I've only got starting grades on a couple of guys, all that said. Uh, C grades for Terrence West. He's a game-time decision with a thigh injury. Think he's going to play. Jaguars are a better pass defense than a run defense. They've allowed two rushing touchdowns last week, although, frankly, Derrick Henry is way, way better back than Terrence West. They're uh, they're giving him 107 rushing yards per game. But this is the Ravens' first game without their elite guard, Marshall Yanda, and they have no real answer for his loss. So I'm nervous about West. I'm nervous about Buck Allen, who gets a C grade as well. He'll be in the Danny Woodhead role, and he'll... He'll get some receptions here. Jaguars have only allowed seven receptions to the position all year, though, and no running back has scored through the air against the Jaguars in two years. So I'm nervous about Buck Allen, too, so just a C grade for him. The whole, the rest of the passing game is on the bench, including Joe Flacco. Jaguars quietly have an elite pass defense, giving up just 184 yards per game, one touchdown per game. I think that's about what Joe Flacco gets, about a buck 87 and one here, which is a would be a very Flacco type uh, type game. Ben Watson, I need more than one game sample to show that Ben Watson's back from the dead. I can't trust him. Jeremy Macklin is scoring back to back games, but draws a much tougher assignment this week against Jacksonville's slot cornerback Aaron Colvin. He's on the bench. Then Mike Wallace has done nothing, and he draws Jalen Ramsey. Let's go to the Jaguars side of this matchup, where there is only one player to start, and that's Leonard Fournette. The Ravens' excellent defensive tackle Brandon Williams has been ruled out of this game, and that's going to open up the door for the game plan that the Jaguars want to employ basically every game, which is try to win on the ground, minimize Blake Bortles, and let your defense carry you to an, uh, a short victory and a quick game. The Ravens have been very good against the run, but that was with Williams, Brandon Williams, and I like Fournette as a result. He's he's also a better pass catcher than people think. And the Ravens have allowed running backs 56 yards per game so far, and that's an area where Fournette, I think, is going to be pretty involved. He got targeted five times last week. So 
I think Fournette get, turns those five or so, five or six receptions into close to fifty receiving yards as well. Let's, Leonard Fournette uh, is a B grade. Let's test Tony's uh, response time. Um, is Fournette could be a bell cow this week? Oh, oh there we yeah. go. He is. Very nicely done. Look at Tony. Top Just in the notch. span of one matchup, he's got it on the button. Bar. Top notch, top notch. The whole passing game's on the bench. Bortles, Lee, Hearns. The Ravens have allowed one touchdown pass. They've netted eight receptions. One touchdown pass allowed. Eight interceptions. I think I may have said receptions. Yes. Yes. Eight interceptions. Uh, for some perspective on the eight interceptions through two games, last year, four teams had eight interceptions on the season. And here comes Blake Bortles. An arsenal of errors. The Bordeaux potty. The Bordeaux potty. Uh, and Lee and Hearns have got negative matchups against Jimmy Smith and Ladarius Webb. I don't like any part of that passing game. When we come back, take a chance on me. Nine players, not normally in your starting lineup. We'll tell you who you can start this week from the bench when we come back. Take a chance on me. Nine players, not normally in your lineup. Guys who are in many cases available on the waiver wire. We will tell you who they are right now, beginning at the quarterback position in Jay Clemens. Uh, I've got Carson Palmer. Uh, we're talking, he's facing a Cowboys defense that heading into the season, Pro Football Focus had as the 30th secondary. Plus now they've got injuries to, to uh, Woozy, Carroll, and Skandrick that are testing that depth. Uh, his last four home games, Carson Palmer has notched 300 yards passing each time. J.J. Uh, Nelson has emerged as a number two receiver. Uh, also, uh, in, I know of his last eight non-divisional home games against NFC opponents, Palmer has thrown <laughs> 300 plus yards seven times. Against and during that at time, he's averaging <laughs> 310 yards and a robust two and a half touchdowns. That you have already you've already housed random stat of the week territory, Brian. Thank you. Uh, I got Indy's Jacoby Brissett at home against the Browns. Uh, Brissett didn't do anything special against the Cardinals last week, but that's because they're the Cardinals. This is the Browns, so Brissett is a threat to run and throw at least a touchdown in this game. <laughs> Going back to last season, Cleveland has allowed at least two passing touchdowns in six of their last seven games. Only mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor failed to do so in the snow in Buffalo. The Browns have also just faced two running threats at quarterback since the start of last year. Marcus Mariota had seven carries for 64 yards, and Tyrod Taylor had seven for 49. So Brissett's a dual threat this week. We all think the Dolphins are going to double up the Jets by points, right? And sure, J.J. is going to get a lot of that, but... Why don't we dumpster dive on a guy who can capitalize on Ajaya's success? What's to say that Ajaya's going to get all the touchdowns? I think Keller looked pretty good in his knock-the-rust-off game last week, his first time in with the Dolphins. Now he gets this week's matchup against the Jets, who are currently allowing two-and-a-half touchdowns per game to opposing quarterbacks. My biggest concern is really just does Ajaya house everything, but there's a good chance that he doesn't, and he just merely sets up a passing game for some easy touchdowns. Let's go to the running back position. Jay. Uh, my Palmer endorsement uh, was all stats, but for running back, I'm going with C.J. Procise, purely based on a hunch this week. Okay. Um, he was targeted six times last week in a very close game against the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe the Seahawks' muddled backfield situation has suddenly become the Chris Carson show. Um, against opposing tailbacks, uh, last year the Titans owned middling rankings with both targets allowed, receptions allowed, and receiving yards given up. And plus, Vegas is underselling this matchup with an over-under at 41. So if we're going over, Pro Size will definitely factor into that. All right, you like him as a PPR option. I kind of do too. Brian. 
Yeah, Pro Slice is sneaky, especially on Fanball, only 3,200. Very, right. very uh, sneaky play there. Uh, I've got Darren Sproles at home against my miserable Giants. Uh, the Giants allowed more than five catches per game to running backs last year. Sproles is uh, clearly a pass-catching back, uh, one of ten running backs with at least 12 targets so far this year. Carson Wentz was sacked six times by the Chiefs last week. Yeah, The Giants should bring similar heat, meaning Wentz might have to check down a little more than, uh, than he's used to. And yes, Darren Sproles has just as many red zone carries as LeGarrette Blunt. Which is ridiculous. One he, each or something? Yeah, or two, like two, two or three. All right. But he will take the lead on Sunday because Blunt is cooked. Yeah, we'll talk more about that uh, matchup a little later. Theo Riddick goes up against Atlanta, and for all the success the Falcons had last year, they got destroyed by running backs through the air. They allowed the most receptions to running backs last year, the most receiving yards to running backs last year, and the most receiving touchdowns to running backs last year. That is a trifecta of defensive ineptitude right there. This year, the Falcons are allowing the most receptions to running backs, the most touchdowns through the air to running backs, with two already. And here comes the Lions pass-catching specialist, Theo Riddick, money in the bank. Let's go to the wide receiver position. People know that I'm obsessed with PPR leagues, and you need a catch-to-target ratio of at least 50%. Otherwise, I wouldn't even cross the street to kick you in the ribs. Okay? That said, Dante Moncrief has a 25% catch-to-target ratio this year. But I'm willing to overlook that because Jacoby Brissett literally got into Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. So he is my guy for uh, this position uh, going against a Browns secondary that ranked 25th heading into the preseason, according to Pro Football Focus. And that was with without Joe Hayden um, in the lineup. Uh, last year, opposing receivers uh, for the, when facing the Browns had a 64% catch target rate uh, against the Browns. Uh, in fact, uh, under... Uh, well, Greg Williams, who was not who was with the Rams last year. The Rams last year were bottom ten in uh, targets allowed, catches allowed, and receiving yards given up to opposing wideouts. All right, so Dante Moncrief, Brian, who you got? I'm going Rashard Higgins at the Colts in the same game. People are just calling Higgins this out of nowhere practice squad player, but he was yeah. a fifth round pick out of Colorado State University mm-hmm. in 2014. He had 96 catches for 1,750 yards and 17 touchdowns. Yeah, so he's 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 not just the nobody. Uh, 11 targets last week for seven catches and 95 yards, two catches of 20 plus yards. Runs out of the slot. Yeah, is very good size. And Colts rookie slot corner Nate Harrison is in the bottom third of pro football focus as quarterback grades. So uh, look out for Higgins this week. He's going to have a good game. All right. Devin Funches uh, is my player, and I love this matchup. Look, any more body against the Saints secondary is automatically in play. But the Saints secondary is ravaged right now. Marshawn Lattimore, who had been their, quote, top cornerback, uh, is out for this game. And that means that they're going to be going to war with guys like Devontae Harris, who was killed by Stefan Diggs and Chris Hogan. Harris should see a lot of time on Funches based on uh, how these guys tend to play on the which sides of the field. And get this, Harris ranks dead last at the cornerback position by Pro Football Focus, ranking 106th among cornerbacks in the NFL. I didn't know there were 106 cornerbacks in the NFL. Devin Funches, effectively free on Fanball at $3,100. All right, let's go to our first uh, our first matchup of this segment, and probably our only matchup of this segment as we try to keep onto our clock, and that is Falcons taking on the Lions. Obviously, this feels like a a, a good opportunity for uh, for Julio Jones. They all are. Uh, yes, I've got him as an A grade. Uh, you know, he lit up the Packers last week for five catches, one hundred eight. Uh, he is going against Darius Slay, so there's some concern there, but he's an automatic A. Uh, Matt Ryan, I have him for a B this week. Uh, he's going against a Lions defense that 
currently ranks 22nd against the pass, but only ninth in points allowed. Um, he his uh, he has 69% completion rate this year, but at the same time, he's lost uh, receiving opportunity or passing opportunities because uh, with the new OC, they're getting more running opportunities to both Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Uh, speaking of which, I've got Freeman as an easy A for the week. Uh, his last four uh, road games indoors, he's averaging 142 yards and 1.3 touchdowns. Uh, yes, the Lions have the, the NFL's number four rush defense, but I'm not concerned. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I have him as a C this week. Everyone knows I love Coleman, but at the same time, you got to face the reality here. He is he is averaged only 10 t- touches and 52 total yards through two games. Last year at this time, he was averaging 13 touches and 89 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, the Lions have the number four rush defense. I will say, though, the Coleman has scored in six of his last seven games, including the playoffs at something good. Uh, at receiver, I got my, uh, Julio with an A. I've got Mohamed Sanu with a C grade. Here's the thing. I love Sanu. Uh, he's actually adapted to Steve Sarkeesian as the new OC. He's caught 11 of 15 balls. Uh, among receivers, he ranks in the top 15 for both catches and targets. Uh, he's accounted for 85 yards and or one touchdown in four of his last six games. Uh, and, so I, and he won't see Darius Slay. Yes, exactly. So it's a C plus. It's a pretty good. It's a yeah, pretty robust. I actually like C. that. Sanu available in a yeah. lot of leagues. And then for a tight end, I've got Austin Hooper for an A grade this week. Uh, he has posted a touchdown in three of his last six outings. Uh, in the last calendar year, the Lions have allowed either eighty-five plus yards or one touchdown to the likes of Jason Witten, Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, Delaney Walker, C. Dave Fedorowicz, Richard Rodgers, Kobe Fleener. The list goes on and on. Uh, so I've got him for an A. All right. Lion side of the ball. Okay, Matthew Stafford. I've got him as an A grade. He is my number two quarterback for the week. He's off to a blazing start. Uh, his last eleven games against NFC South opponents, he's hit three hundred yards passing and/or three touchdowns all eleven times. Uh, for running backs, I've got Amir Abdullah for a C grade. Uh, yes, he ran for a career best eighty-six yards last week against the Giants, but the Lions basically went into operation shutdown uh, with the passing game once they got up by two touchdowns. Um, plus, the Falcons have allowed. Uh, more receptions to opposing tailbacks than any other team this season. That ter- technically falls to Theo Riddick, yes. who gets a C grade. Uh, Amir didn't get targeted at all last week. Right. So uh, all that good stat for going against Atlanta defense essentially applies to Riddick. Right. Uh, Riddick, uh, Cohen, um, Terry Coleman, and Ty Montgomery combined for 14 catches, 188 yards, and two touchdowns their very first two weeks against the uh, the Falcons. Uh, Riddick has collected five or more targets in seven of le- his last ten games at the Lions. Uh, for receivers, let's go Golden Tate, B-grade. The Falcons uh, ranked 28th in passing yards last season. This year, they ranked 25th in the, same, in the same category. Last year, Tate averaged six catches, 94 yards, and two touchdowns against defenses that played uh, quarterbacks that gave up, that had 30 or more touchdown passes. Uh, on the bad side, Desmond Trufant ranked 7th among quarterbacks last year in yards allowed per snap, but there's no guarantee that he'll be guarding Tate for every snap anyway. Uh, for Eric Ebron at tight end, I've got him a B grade. Uh, Ebron, check this out. Uh, he in his of his last 19 games, he has collected five or more targets 17 times. He's not garbage. Uh, he caught all five of his targeted balls last week for 42 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then last week, Martellus Bennett of the Packers collected 11 targets. That was his highest tally in two seasons. Uh, and one last guy, I've got Kenny Galladay, the receiver, C grade. Fantasy owners should feel compelled to take a chance on him at the flex spot because he had two touchdowns in opening week. And as I mentioned before, the Lions essentially went into operation shutdown against the Giants. So do not t- 
take what happened last week and kind of make it seem like it's going to be the case every week. The Lions still need to throw the ball to win. Eric Ebron has scored his first touchdown in a year last week. You are you're a little higher on him than I am. Uh, well, I need, the PPR. I, I need I need I need him to score. I need him to find the end zone. Well, we need everyone to score, but from a PPR, I can live with the guy that gets five targets every single game. When we come back, Giants taking on the Eagles. Giants offense has been brutal to this point. Brian will tell you whether or not there are some options for fantasy players in that offense when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Paul Charchi and Jay Clemens, Brian Johnson with you. Plenty more matchups to get to on a full slate of games today. We begin with the Giants taking on the Eagles. Brian, the Giants offense has obviously been a disaster, but they get, in theory, a healthy Odell Beckham for this game. He was great against the Eagles last year. Yeah, I got to give Beckham an A based on uh, his two games against Philly last year. Had the most recent game, 20 targets, 11 catches for 150. Had two touchdowns in the first meeting. So, uh, as you said, he's been practicing all week should be further along from that ankle injury. Uh, we'll see a much healthier Odell Beckham. Uh, as see, for his, I, I wouldn't go A because you know? I just I, you know was only on the field for 32 snaps and they only targeted him like four times last week. I worry that does that turn into like four, you know, four catches and 40 yards this week? Is he fully there? I think they'll uh, shoot him up enough where he'll fully be there to be I able hope, to run I, around. I hope you're right. So we'll I see. hope you're right. I'm I'm more I'm more nervous than you are. Uh, his battery mate, Brandon Marshall, oh, epitomizes the grossness of the Giants right now. I'm um, mm-hmm. giving him a C, though. Wow. Could have had a nice line last week. Dropped a 30-yarder. Uh, failed to high point an end zone target. Could have had a touchdown. Just yep. looked gross, but the opportunities were there. Uh, here's the silver lining. Uh, secondary wide receivers did well against Philly last year as they focus on Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Cruz had eight catches for 84 yards. Roger Lewis Jr. scored in the other meeting as the number two receiver, so there is hope for Marshall here. Uh, as there is for Sterling Shepard, OBJ has obviously been hurt, but Shepard leads Giants wide receivers in targets, and he scored in both meetings against the Eagles last year. I'm putting Evan Ingram on the bench this week. I had starting grades on him the first two weeks, and those paid off sort of, uh, definitely last week, but um, Philly has allowed since 2011 .25 touchdowns per game. Yeah. It's crazy. So, Engram is on the bench this week. Uh, Eli Manning, you can give him a C. 356 yards and a touchdown his last time in Philly. O-line is a serious concern, as you mentioned. But the Giants are throwing the ball more than 72% of the time. you got to give Eli one more chance here. If he doesn't get it done against Philly, yeah, he's probably droppable, sadly. Uh, to the running backs, Shane Vereen, going to give him a C. Mm-hmm. Third among running backs in receptions. Caught six balls for 72 yards in his last game against Philly. Chris Thompson had a nice game against the Eagles in Week 1 with four catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. He yep. and Vereen are very similar players, so Vereen is in play this week. But I'm putting out Orleans Darkwa and Paul Perkins on the bench. Darkwa deserves more run. Uh, average 5.7 <laughs> yards per carry against Detroit last week on only three carries. Yeah, But uh, Paul Perkins, 1.4 yards per carry on seven attempts. He's brutal. just brutal. Yeah. He's droppable. It's Easily droppable. Uh, you like Manning more than I do. I mean, you can talk all about the matchup last year. This offensive line is so much worse than last year's offensive line that I'm, I'm very, very nervous about. Uh, very nervous. About uh, no, I, I had starters on the three wide starting grades on the three wide receivers. So Manning is uh, in play. For, it, it's a bottom bottom level C, but he's somewhat in play. But uh, right. over to the Philly side, Carson Wentz. 
as hot as he's been, I'm only going to give him a C. Uh, only one touchdown to three interceptions in two games against New York as a rookie. Obviously not a rookie anymore, but this Giants defense is still very legitimate. It, it certainly matters if Janoris Jenkins plays in this game. Yeah, he, he exactly. didn't play That's, last doesn't week. Doesn't the whole thing pivot on Janoris Jenkins? Um, uh, assuming he plays, uh, the Giants haven't allowed more than two passing touchdowns since Week 15 of 2015. They've Yikes. allowed more than one passing touchdown, and by that I mean two, obviously, because they yeah. haven't allowed more than two just three times last year. So it's a legitimate secondary, very good defense, as bad as the, as bad as the offense is. Wentz is not an auto start, but he is a C-level uh, start, as is Alshon Jeffrey. Again, but, for Jeffrey, doesn't it all just hinge on does, whether or not Janos yeah. Jenkins goes? It I, does. I like, him if, I like him if Jenkins is out, and I don't like him if Jenkins plays. That That's the bottom line, really. He's a B if Jenkins sits, a C if Jenkins starts. Uh Let's just assume Jenkins is playing. The Giants allowed 17 catches to Philly wide receivers in two games last year. That's mm. eight and a half wide receiver catches per game. That's brutal. That's terrible. So I'm benching Nelson Aguilar and Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith might not even play in this game, by the way. Uh, Zach Ertz, though, gets a B. Uh, starting middle linebacker B.J. Goodson uh, looks like a no-go again for the Giants. Uh, Ertz had two good games against New York last year. and uh, Both tight ends they faced this season, Jason Witten and Eric Ebron, scored a touchdown, so Ertz is uh, certainly startable. Uh, Darren Sproles was my take a chance on me running back. And LeGarrette Blunch, who is more like LeGarrette Roach, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, is on the bench because he's one. coming off a zero-carry performance last yes, week. Yes, he was, he was on the field for one play. They threw to him, and he didn't catch it. Uh, that one's tricky. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they, they go back to Blunt yeah, for I more know, work than that. But you can't trust yeah, it, though. You, no. You, hold how do you him, start him? You hold him. Maybe he scores. You keep him. If not, you can just drop him. Tampa takes on the Minnesota Vikings, and on Tampa's side, I've got some B grades to hand out, including, let's start with the passing game, Jameis Winston, who has now scored in 32 of his 33 career games. So you can bank on at least one touchdown, and maybe not much more than that, though. Over the past two seasons, Minnesota's just giving up 1.3 passing touchdowns per game, and Winston's go-to target, Mike Evans, draws one of his toughest matchups of the year. That's Xavier Rhodes, and we'll use that as our segue to Evans, who also has a B grade. Over the last 18 games, the top wide receiver against the Vikings has reached 85 yards one time. That's the Xavier Rhodes factor. So we uh, always talk the receivers, uh, tough starts. Rhodes, who has he had? Uh, Thomas. Thomas. Antonio Brown. Antonio Mike Brown, Evans. Mike Evans. Get much tougher than that. No kidding. No kidding. And uh, last week held Antonio Brown under the 85 yards. In fact, he held Antonio Brown to 120 fewer yards than Antonio Brown had in the opening game. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, though, is uh, also gets a B grade because of the matchup that he's got, which should be with Trey Waynes. Speed receiver Martavis Bryant roasted Waynes last week. And so here's Jackson, who led the NFL with 20 yards per catch indoors last year. 20. And he's the deep speed guy, and we've seen deep speed beat Trey before, so we're going to give him a B grade. Uh Brayton and Howard at tight end are sharing snaps and targets, so I think that neutralizes both of them. They're on the bench. C grade for Jaquez Rogers, who looked ordinary last week. Well, he is ordinary, so he looked like himself. But he was playing with the flu last week, so there's your excuse. Uh, Vikings only giving up 3.1 yards per carry, and even elite talents like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell needed 30 touches to get to 90 yards. That's it against Minnesota. So Rodgers is a C at best. You could keep him on the bench and that'd be fine. Let's go to the Vikings. Case Keenum will be your quarterback again. I thought he looked pretty darn bad last week, and he makes me very nervous about all parts of the passing offense, although they should be better this week. Easier defense. They're at home and a second start for Keenum. So I'm giving cautious C grades on Thielen, Diggs, and Rudolph. Rudolph scored a touchdown in the opener. 
But just nine targets in the two games. The Bucks have allowed three touchdowns to tight ends in their last 26 outings. That's it. So, Rudolph gets a C, and it's a hesitant C at that. I have to ask real quick, Charge. Yes. Should people be adding Teddy Bridgewater in two quarterback leagues right now? No. No? All no. right. Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, caught just two passes last week with Keenum. Keenum didn't get time to go to Diggs deep. That worries me. He's also going to get cornerback Brent Grimes, who was shockingly great last year after being shockingly awful the year before that. We'll call him inconsistent. Diggs gets a C grade here. You can start him. I like Thielen's matchup a lot better. He goes up against slot corner Robert McLean, who currently ranks 103rd among cornerbacks by Pro Football Focus. And as a slot guy, you know he's going to get his targets, and I like that for, for Thielen. The best start, though, for the Vikings, and the one you can feel good about, is Dalvin Cook. You you can safely assume that the Vikings are going to de-emphasize Case Keenum, and that means giving the ball to Cook a lot. He does go up against the Bears de- uh, Bucks defense that held the Bears runners to just one yard per carry last week, but Jordan Howard was injured, and Cook should be better. He's averaged 96 total yards per game, and he should be a factor in through the air as well. Tariq Cohen, eight receptions against this Bucks defense last week, so a B grade. For Cook, and I think he, you absolutely keep him in your lineup. <laughs> Let's go to Saints versus Panthers. Jay, this is a this is a kind of a thorny one because the Panthers defense has been really really good. So a lot of the sort of auto start Saints guys, I'm actually a little bit nervous about. We will give the Panthers props for having the number two pass defense and the number one scoring defense. But keep in mind their fir- their t- first two quarterbacks were Brian Hoyer and Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, enough said. Yeah. Uh, Drew Brees. I've got him with an A grade. Uh, Michael Thomas, the receiver, also has an A grade for the week. But uh, regarding Breeze, of his last six trips to Carolina's stadium, where there's a lot of high grass, uh, he owns rock-solid averages of 300 yards passing and 1.8 touchdowns. Uh, I've got a grade B, B grade, sorry about that, for Mark Ingram at running back. Uh, Yes, I know it's a muddled situation there, but at the same time, he leads uh, the threesome in both touches and total yards for weeks one and two. He has also scored four touchdowns in his last eight games against the Panthers. Uh, for the C grade, let's go Alvin Kamara. I've got a no grade, by the way, bench grade for Peterson. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, this is the only thing that keeps me uh, keeps my sanity right now. He's averaging six and a half targets in his first two games. At the receiving spot, we have Michael Thomas for an A. Brandon Coleman, I will give him a C for this reason. Uh, he doubled his production with targets and receptions from week one while scoring a touchdown last weekend. Mm-hmm. I can take some positivity from that. Keep in mind, this is still the Panthers, the same Panthers secondary that got lit up for 300 yards by Julio Jones last week. They're just not magically better. And for Coney, Kobe Bleener, uh, Kobe Fleener, say that three times <laughs> fast, uh, I've got a B grade. He has scored a touchdown in both games, and if we've learned anything from Kobe Fleener, you ride the hot wave at all times. For the Panthers, uh, we've got Cam Newton with the B. I'll, I'll keep it short. He has notched 300 yards passing and or three touchdowns in four of his last five outings against the Saints. And the Saints have allowed five 300-yard passing games of their last seven times going against opposing cornerbacks. Uh, I've got a B grade for Christian McCaffrey. The Saints are the only team to give up cumulative averages of 500-plus total yards for both weeks one and two. Plus, the Panthers' playmakers must account for Greg Olson's targets and red zone touches. That vacuum needs to be full, and I think the first up goes to Christian McCaffrey. I love McCaffrey. I got a solid A grade on him in this game because New Orleans is dead last in the NFL in receptions and receiving yards to running backs. Mm -hmm. And without Greg Olson, 
I see the middle of the field turning into McCaffrey territory, running out of the slot, coming out of the backfield and into the middle of the field. I think he's going to be a prime beneficiary to Greg Olson's uh, demise here. That's fine. I've uh, I've got a B plus grade basically yeah. for him. Uh, you don't even for, have to agree with me. By sure. the way, I'm wrong a lot. I don't want Just to agree Twitter. with you, but this, this one's rather obvious. It's it's yeah. against the Saints. Uh, I would like Brian's chances against the Saints, frankly. Uh, Thanks, Jay. Jonathan Stewart. I've got a C grade, and I don't mean that in a negative way either. Uh, I know, Jay. The Saints currently rank 25th against the run. Uh, the Saints have also surrendered either 100 yards rushing and or one touchdown to the opposing to the primary running back of the opposing team for both weeks one and two. For the receivers, I've got Devin Funches as a C grade. I know that sounds preposterous, but keep in mind the Saints have given up 500 total yards cumulatively for weeks one and two. Yep. Uh, I believe there's uh, no Mar- Marshawn Lattimore and Sterling Moore for week two, so I think that means Keenan Lewis might defend. Uh, Funches, I think he mentioned this on a, on a different radio show, Tarch, that Keenan Lewis, I think it was, ranks 116th among the cornerbacks in Pro Football Focus's ranking, something like that. So you definitely got to go Devin Funches. Uh, for my final receiver, Kelvin Benjamin, B grade. Uh, the Saints, easily the worst pass defense in the NFL. 397 yards per game. Benjamin has also caught six of eight, uh, he caught six of eight targeted balls last week for 77 yards against the Bills, who are a respectable defense. Plus, the Saints have allowed a wide receiver to gain either 75 yards or score a touchdown 27 times over their last 32 games. Unfortunately, Ed Dixon, as the number one tight end in place of Greg Olson, he doesn't warrant a grade at all, along with Demir Beard, uh, Russell Shepard, and Fozzie Whitaker. Browns take on the Colts, Brian, and for Isaiah Crowell, it has been a dismal start. Tell me this is the game where you can put him in your, your lineup with confidence. I don't know about with confidence, but it's a game where you can put him in your lineup, even though the Colts are surprisingly allowing 2.5 yards per carry. I know. Uh, Those numbers are kind of propped by the clown college backfield of the Cardinals, Sands, David Johnson, last week. But uh, Crowell is averaging just 2.6 yards per carry himself. So if it's not, you can start him this week. I'm giving him a C, but if he doesn't get it done, uh, it might be dropsville time for him. It's not Not dropsville, but. You're gonna drop him from your consciousness. I think he's. Sure. I think he turns into more like a flex guy with a bad game here. I think he already is a flex guy. All well, right. depending on your roster, but anyway, uh, Duke Johnson. I'm putting him on the bench. Four carries on the season and catch totals of two and three so far. Yeah. So do something first, Duke, and then we'll talk about you a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashard Higgins was my take a chance on me wide receiver. Deshaun Kaiser was your take a chance on me quarterback. There's a, a nice little pairing we mentioned in the beginning of the show if you're chasing uh, a lot of points uh, from Rams or Niners players. So yep. check your waiver wire there. Over to the Colts, uh, Ty Hilton, Ty, T.Y. Hilton gets a B. <laughs> Cleveland surrendered big games to Antonio Brown and Jeremy Macklin, so there's hope for Hilton in this one. The Browns are obviously a bit of relief for him after facing the Rams on the road in Arizona last week. Much easier matchup for T.Y., as it is for Dante Moncrief, who's Jay's take a chance on me wide receiver. Uh, Jack Doyle, I'm giving an A. I sweet. love Jack Doyle. Probably this week. yes. On Fanball 4300, he's probably the top option. I would say going to be very chalky, uh, justifiably so though. He's in a great spot. Cleveland has been brutal against tight ends for years. They allowed two touchdowns to Jesse James in Week One. 13 catches for 121 yards to Baltimore tight ends last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doyle caught all eight of his targets from Brissett last week. He'll continue to garner plenty of attention. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, speaking of, might take a chance on me quarterback. This matchup is riddled with take a chance on me players, by the way. It is. And then there's Frank Gore. Uh, here's a nice stat from Jay. Uh, he sent it to me yesterday. In eight of their last nine road games, 
the opposing number one running back has topped 100 yards and or scored a touchdown against the Cleveland Browns. And Marlon Mack is out of this one, so Gore will see even more carries. A very oh, solid like play. It. Give yeah. him a B. Okay. Outstanding. When we come back, five hot questions, particularly for those owners of DeMarco Murray. You will want to see if you can go 5-0 and oh when we come back. Fan. Weekly hour number two. A quick reminder to play the Grainbell Premium Crush Charge Challenge. It is totally free to play. Go to grainbell.com, put together a roster of your favorite players for this week. No limitations on the roster. Anybody you want to beat my roster. Every point by which your team beats my team, you get an entry into our end-of-week drawing, and if we draw your name, you find yourself at Manny's for the Winner's Banquet, shaking hands with General Manager Dave Wilson, and potentially being the $2,000 grand prize winner. Last week's winner, Matthew Hartman. Matthew Hartman will be joining us at the Winner's Banquet. Could be you. Devani's hot question number one. What's the appropriate level of panic for DeMarco Murray owners? None? Some or severe panic, Jay. I have none. Um, there's a perception out there that Murray only dominates action when the NFL world doubts his progress. There's some validity to that, but at the same time, once he get a healthy hamstring, I'm not worried about him resuming his role as the RB one for this year. All right. Shall we revisit our storied history of Demarco Murray and Derrick yeah, Henry? Yeah, we really should because I, back really to last preseason, last preseason, <laughs> where I was something of a soothsayer. The problem is my vision is my my ability to forecast is so good, Brian, that I'm oftentimes a full year ahead of myself. But but, but please continue. But then you're you're on. Well, we'll find out. I have severe panic for Demarco Murray. Uh the bottom just fell out for him last year, starting in Week 9. Uh, from that point on, he hit 20 carries only twice and topped 100 yards just once. Derrick Henry, on the other hand, after, starting in Week 9, averaged five, oh, I'm sorry, he averaged five carries per game in his first seven weeks and did not score. Then after, starting in Week 8, he averaged 10-plus carries and scored five touchdowns for the remainder of the season. He has looked great this season so far, Derrick Henry, that is, averaging 5.9 yards per carry. DeMarco Murray is averaging just 3.3 yards per carry. He's already banged up. He's looking bad, and I am very, very, I'm severely worried. Unfortunately, you don't own him anywhere, which is nope, great. I don't. Uh, the correct answer is severe. While his hamstring is healing, he's giving Derrick Henry the platform to show his potential as a bell cow running back. And what is he answered? The bell. <laughs> Six yards per carry for Derrick Henry so far. Uh, Henry is, uh, it's, listen, I think if you were to replay last year, you're doing yourself a disservice here. Henry is an awesome back. He's built for goal line use. And while it will, it will return back to something of a timeshare, I'm sure of it, when Murray is fully healthy, but the timeshare is going to flip to what it, the opposite of what it was last year. This thing's going to be 70-30, 70-30, Henry and for Murray, that's going to mean he's going to be a dicey flex guy most weeks, and a guy you're going to be you're going to be hoping can cobble together a a meaningful fantasy game, much like Derrick Henry's owners were in that situation last year. Now it's going to be Murray. You wouldn't drop him. 
but the appropriate level of panic for a guy that you you picked up at the end of the first round is severe. Devani's hot question number two. Appropriate level of panic for AJ Green owners. None. Some or severe levels of panic. Brian. Uh, it's none for me. I only panic with AJ Green uh, if he's injured or uh, coming off an injury, something along those lines. He's one of he's one of eleven wide receivers with double digit catches and at least 140 receiving yards so far this year. He's fifth in targets. He's an elite talent. Uh, I know the O line is very dicey for Cincy, but Green isn't a one trick pony who needs four seconds to run down uh, a stem route. He can get it done all over the field. The Bengals will get him the ball. As long as he's healthy, I have no panic for AJ Green. All right, Brock, we're ta- uh, We're talking about a guy who was a reasonable candidate for 100 catches, 150 targets, and 1,500 receiving yards last year had he not gotten injured, okay? The 10 catches, 121 yards that he has now, if it was in a vacuum, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I'm not really too worried about it. Plus, keep in mind, over the next, what, nine games, Green will face the Browns, the Colts, and the Titans, uh... Well, he'll face the Browns twice, so he'll have four opportunities against those teams over the next nine weeks. Uh, I do like the schedule analysis here, but you should have some level of panic on A.J. Green. Numbers aren't terrible, as you mentioned, but he hasn't scored, and here's why I'm worried. The offensive line is so bad, Dalton simply cannot set up for passes downfield, and that's what we've loved about A.J. Green, the explosive big plays. Now, he's a chain mover right now because they can't set up the downfield stuff. That's not going to change. We want for him to live up to the top five billing that most people gave him in the preseason. He needs downfield pass attempts. That offense is not going to let that happen. The offensive line will not let that happen. Devani's hot question number three. Trevor Simeon leads all quarterbacks with seven total touchdowns. Trend or mirage, Jay? This is an absolute mirage. Uh, basically, over the last five years, to finish number 10 among quarterbacks for, for touchdowns, you're basically looking at it, uh, you need 29 to 31. Okay, so twenty nine to thirty one to finish tenth to twenty nine to thirty one touchdowns. Yeah, to finish tenth about that. Well, Simeon's career, but but to win the title, you need to have a pace of what two point eight touchdowns per game or anything in that forty four range. Keep in mind, Simeon has only hit that two point eight mark four times in his career out of sixteen starts. I'll buy that he has more confidence than ever. I'll buy that uh, Thomas and Sanders are doing well. But keep in mind, the Broncos have the number one rushing offense right now. There's just no way. Uh, Simeon gets uh, gets to forty touchdowns. All right, Brian. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add there. I just uh, I also don't like Simeon's schedule moving forward. Um, this week against Buffalo, I don't think he's going to need to throw the ball a ton. Uh, the Broncos should win that game. Then he has Oakland next week. That's sort of a neutral matchup. But then it's his. He has a bye. Giants at Chargers at Chiefs. Those are really tough matchups. And uh, find someone in your league who's a believer that this is a uh, the real deal. But uh, that's not me. And uh, you know trade Simeon to that guy and feel pretty good about it. You know, I didn't really write the question the right way. What I meant it to more mean is, broadly speaking, Trevor Simeon as a good quarterback, a good fantasy quarterback, Trenton Mirage. But the way I wrote the question, you guys answered it. Obviously, he's not going to be the number one quarterback at the end of the year. I took your question as top ten. Like, that's how I perceive it. And that is how he meant it. Okay. All right, good. Uh, That... The, for within the realm of effectively a top 10 or top 12, a QB1, which is really where I was trying to go with that question, the answer is trend. He's got viable targets all over the field. He's got two excellent receivers. He's even looking to Virgil Green. He's got two pass-catching running backs. And just eye test, If you if for everybody who's leaning on what you saw last year and you didn't watch Trevor in the preseason and you didn't watch him through these two games, 
you don't realize that he is a different quarterback. Don't read. He, last year, he was a jittery guy with a wobbly arm and an inaccurate passing. All that's disappeared this season. In this, his second year of work, he has gotten dramatically better, and he will be a QB1 for the rest of the year. Devani's hot question number four. That's I don't love him this week. <laughs> this is a tough matchup this week, and he's going to come to earth this week. And don't forget, Dallas was forced to put a few cowgirls in their secondary last week. I yeah, think oh, when they Simeon were. had four touchdown passes. That, that so. was certainly part of it. That <laughs> we'll was certainly part that of call. it. Ru- should Russell Wilson owners just drop him outright, Brian? So Russell Wilson is second in rushing attempts and rushing yards among quarterbacks right now. That shows he's healthy, unlike last year. Uh, he's also second in passes from inside the 10-yard line, so he's active in the red zone uh, throwing the ball, which is good to see. Yes, we know his offensive line is awful, but it was last year, too, uh, when he managed to average 270 passing yards, 1.8 passing touchdowns, and 24 rushing yards over his final eight games when he, when he got sort of healthy at the end of last year. That's over 20 points per game in standard fantasy leagues. I'm not dropping him. I'm hoping he has a good showing against Tennessee, a soft secondary, and the Colts next week, another bad secondary. And then I'm trading him to someone who's looking for a quarterback. All right, Jay? Uh, It's one of those things. What can you live with, basically, at night? Uh, Can you sleep well dropping a guy? If I dropped Russell Wilson, he'd be picked up before I woke up in the morning. It's that simple. He had five games last year of three or more touchdowns. That's an elite level. That's basically Matthew Stanton. Like maybe a little shade of Matthew Stafford category there. Um, the Seahawks finally have clarity with their passing attack in terms of Doug Baldwin, Ty Lockett, uh, Paul Richardson, Jimmy Graham, and C.J. Procise as the receiving option. The Seattle O-line isn't necessarily built for power rushing compared to years past. This tells me that he needs to throw the ball. And yes, I, I know he's had three straight games of under 60% completion rate and no more than one touchdown, but this is a short-term thing, especially when you have the Titans, Colts, Rams, 49ers, Redskins, and the Eagles all coming up. Drop him. Right now, he's quarterback 27 in fantasy scoring. I am shocked you're saying this. I know. It is hard to believe, isn't it? Um, yeah, will he, will he move up from 27? Yeah, probably, but there's no help coming for this offensive line. They have no ability to make it better. The passing game is contained to just dump off stuff. He's rarely afforded a clean pocket. In the 20 games Russell Wilson has played since the start of last year, including his rushing, he's averaging 1.3 touchdowns per game. The context of your question suggests that he should get dropped. If if you bump him down to number two, that's basically in a 12-team league, that's 24 guys. He can easily get in that top 24, basically doing nothing. He's 27 right now. Okay. We're going to drop him outright because you can go find If you want, you got a matchup you like, you can go find him. Somebody else will jump on him, and that's fine. And they can they can enjoy his 1.3 touchdowns, his 230 passing yards per game. Enjoy that. Well, yes, should, even, that's 230 going back to last year. You should at least try to Not, trade like him. Like 190 for, this year. At least try to trade, trade him for Trevor Simeon. You, you can. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I love that. This trade. Let's absolutely do that. Devani's hot question number five. In three games, Todd Gurley's already scored as many touchdowns as he scored all of last year. Are you selling high on Todd Gurley, Jay? I'm selling high in a public auction, like where I tell every single owner that I'm selling, and let's just see what we can get. Plus, I have knowledge that uh, in the next in the coming weeks, they've got two games with the Seahawks, two games with the Cardinals, and four outings against the AFC South, which is a lot better than you think against the run. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you failed to mention, Jay, in the matchup, he has his bye coming up at the Giants, Houston, at Minnesota following the bye. Those are all brutal matchups, but Gurley has looked good. 
especially catching the ball. Last year he averaged 2.7 catches and 20 receiving yards per game, did not catch a touchdown. So far this year he's doubled those numbers, averaging more than four catches per game, 47 yards, and has two receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, you can get a King's Ransom, so I'm selling high on Gurley. Hot I'm Snoop Dogg. Se- yep, I'm selling high too. Now, look, I'm not, and I'm a total believer in Sean McVay, and I think he's a budding offensive genius. But he's played the Colts, the Redskins, and the 49ers, and now he gets into the meat of the schedule, which you mentioned, Brian, and it is brutal. It is awful. He's got really one positive matchup between now and Week 17 when he sees the Niners again. That's it. Just one really positive matchup. If you can get a King's Ransom for Todd Gurley, go do it. Working one more matchup into the segment, and that is the Texans taking on the Patriots. Hang on, I just got to flip a couple of pages here to get to that page. Here we go. Uh, Brady and Gronk are obvious A grades, and Gronk should play through the groin injury. He practiced all week on it, but let's just note this. Groin injuries are known to aggravate easily, so there is a little bit of danger on Gronk. Brandon Cooks, also an A grade. Houston has not allowed a wide receiver touchdown this year, but they're giving up the sixth, and they're giving up the sixth fewest yards to the position. But... Injuries, a huge factor this week. Cornerback Kevin Johnson already ruled out. Other starting cornerback Jonathan Joseph left last week's game, and he's a true game-time decision. Johnson's replacement is the untested Marcus Burley, which represents a great opportunity for Cooks and should draw, and Burley should draw Cooks most of this game. So I really like Brandon Cooks to break out of the two-game mini-slump that he's been in as a member of the Patriots. Let's stay with the passing offense a little further. Chris Hogan's. If Jonathan Joseph is active, I like Hogan less. If he doesn't, I really like him a lot. Uh, Joseph would draw this matchup mostly, and Brady's going to have better options around the field if Joseph is on the field than Hogan. So Hogan's a C grade here. If Joseph is inactive, you can bump Hogan up to an A grade. Danny Amendola gets a C grade. He draws Houston's only healthy starting cornerback, slot guy Kareem Jackson, who is solid. Uh, not unbeatable, but he's solid. But I just think there's better options all around the field than Danny Amendola in this game. James White, as we tr- segue to the running backs, Jaguars have allowed one running back receiving touchdown in their last 26 games. So it's it's a tough matchup for James White here. And White was invisible in last year's meeting between these two teams. Rex Burkhead, though, will not play in this game. So I've got a barely starting grade on James White. And then there's Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley has one more touchdown than all of the rest of the Patriots. I keep getting these questions like, do I, you know, can I start Gillisley again? Yes, you can always start Gillisley if you think the Patriots are going to score more than a couple of touchdowns, even one touchdown. The single most likely guy to score any given Patriots touchdown is Mike Gillisley. So if you think the Patriots are going to score this week, let's say four touchdowns. And Gillisley's the most likely guy to score any of them. And he's again, he scored more than the rest of the rest of the team combined. You have to keep starting him. The Patriots are going to score as many touchdowns as they, as they can in this game because Bill O'Brien is of the Belichick tree, and Belichick loves to beat the ever-living... Yeah, he does, doesn't he? I won't say the word He's mercurial that way. Out of his former coaches, yes. yeah. Vindictive. And the former teams. They throw against the Browns when they're up 40 in the fourth quarter. It's amazing. Uh, when these teams played each other last year, Blunt... LeGarrette Blunt scored twice in the matchup. Gillisley is better than Blunt is. Uh, I've got a B grade on Gillisley because the yardage is not going to be there, but the touchdowns likely will. Let's go to the Houston side. Lamar Miller gets a B grade. He's been ho-hum to this point, averaging a scoreless 60 rushing yards per game. He has a good chance to end that streak this week, though, against a Patriots team that's allowed the most total yards to opposing running backs. 
214 total yards to running backs on a per-game basis. Thanks, Kareem Hunt. Thanks, Kareem Hunt. That's a lot of it, of course. Uh, also, though, <laughs> let's keep an eye. Lamar Miller's a beat. Let's keep an eye on, on uh, Donta Foreman, whose workload increased sharply last week. If he's available on your waiver wire, I think he's a guy you should strongly consider going and getting. Last week, he got 13 carries. Miller had 18. I thought Foreman looked better of the two. The Patriots are going to keep allowing these huge days to runners. That could feed two different runners. And I've actually got a C grade on Foreman, a starting grade on Foreman in this one. Last week, both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara put up decent fantasy days on the Patriots. Let's go to the passing game. DeAndre Hopkins is the only guy you care about here. He leads the NFL in 14 targets per game. But against against Bill Belichick, do you want to be the guy that Belichick knows that he needs to stop? Usually not. I mean, that's the deal on Belichick. He takes away whatever you do best. Well, the only guy they even throw to is DeAndre Hopkins. So it's a curse as much of a, as much of a, as it is a blessing. Where you get help though is that the Patriots have been torched by opposing receivers for 211 yards and a touchdown per game. So I'm keeping a B grade on De- DeAndre Hopkins, but there is danger there. Deshaun Watson is benchable. His arm is not going to get you wins. Maybe you could consider his legs here, but. I don't know. Rushing quarterbacks, uh, Colin Kaepernick put up 32 scoreless yards against the Patriots last year. Tyrod Taylor had 48 yards in one score, so maybe there's an angle with the legs, but I don't love Watson in this matchup. When we come back, we'll pound through many more matchups, including the Raiders taking on the Redskins. Marshawn Lynch, will he be dancing on the sidelines again? Find out when we return to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back to the show. It's Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Um, Don't normally do uh, a lot of groveling here, but we're we're groveling a little bit because we we lost our 8- or 9-year-old iTunes feed for this show. And now we had to start a new iTunes feed. So we lost, you know, years and years of rankings and comments and stuff like that. If uh, particularly if you like the show, we hope you'll go back to iTunes and uh, help other people find it by leaving us ratings and reviews for the show. Let's uh, go back to the matchups. Raiders take on the Redskins. Marshawn Lynch uh, turned only I think like 30, 30 plays into a pretty solid game last week. What do you do? You like him here against the Redskins, Jay? Yes, I do. I've got him uh, for a B grade. Uh, keep in mind that Todd Gurley last week against the uh, they. Uh, the Redskins. Thank you, thank you. Uh, he had 136 total yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, then keep in mind that Marshawn, of his last 12 games against the NFC East, he has notched 100 total yards and or one touchdown 10 different times. And for that toward stretch with Seattle, he averaged 123 total yards and 1.1 touchdowns per game. I, I wish that the, you know, the same NFC East guys were still on the field from three and four years ago. That would be great. I'm just saying, he has had an incredible history against that division for whatever reason. Uh, and I've got Derek Carr for an A grade. He's my number one quarterback for the week, so I'll keep it short. Uh, then I've got Michael Crabtree coming off a three-touchdown game last week. He also has an A grade of his last 24 regular season outings. He's accomplished either 85 receiving yards and or one touchdown 16 times. And during that span, he's collected double-digit targets nine times and produced two different games of three touchdowns. Mm. Amari Cooper gets a B grade, basically feeding off Carr's A grade for the week. Uh, he won't have the attention of Josh Norman or likely won't have it for the majority of the game. And of his last, what, six road games, Amari has collected eight or more targets five different times. Mm. At tight end, I've got Jared Cook with the C grade. Cook shockingly owns top 12 tallies among tight ends. 
for both catches and targets. And for opposing teams, uh, the tight ends, their team's uh, receptions of the last two weeks, we've got Zach Ertz and Gerald Everett basically leading their teams in receptions and targets against the Redskins. All right. Uh, for Cousins, I've got him number four for the week. I think Raiders-Redskins will be the highest-scoring game on Sunday. Yeah, so I think Cousins here. will be number four grade. I'm not really worried about anything. I will say this. Of his last six nationally televised games since the 2015 playoffs, for that exclusive window, check this out. Cousins has averaged 376 yards passing and one-and-a-half touchdowns hmm. for whatever it is. Uh, plus, the Raiders are 12th ranked against the pass this year. Uh, Rob, here's the deal. With the running backs, Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson, Samaji, P. Ryan, we don't know what's going to happen yet. We need to almost wait until Sunday night, but then we're going to be in a bind because we don't know what's going on with Rob Kelly and his injured rip. He right. might miss the game. He might put on a flak jacket and test it. You know, I think for Kelly and P. Ryan, P. Ryan is basically a C-grade if Kelly sits. Uh, if Kelly plays, Kelly's a C-grade. And P. Ryan, you don't do anything for him. Uh, Chris Thompson, I'll give him a C plus, basically because I think Kirk Cousins will need to rely on him in the passing game. But this uh, this whole segment is all about the receivers, okay, and the tight end. Terrell Pryor gets a B grade, okay. Uh, posing wide receiver ones have averaged what six and a half catches, sixty eight yards, and one touchdown against the Raiders this season. He had double digit targets at home for Week One. Jamison Crowder. Real, going real quick on Pryor, sorry. It's a revenge game for him against the Raiders, oh, you love too. The, Don't you forget love the, that. You love the revenge Wait, game. he's had like four other teams to have a revenge game. Okay, well, he's only playing <laughs> one team this week, and it's one okay. of them. Yeah. <laughs> they gave up on quarterback Terrell Pryor. Maybe they didn't give him a chance to be wide receiver. Yeah, maybe Terrell that's Pryor. why. You never know. Now he's going to uh -huh. show him. Yep. Okay, uh, Jamison Crowder. I know he struggled uh, since getting that essential promotion to the R uh, wide receiver two. But I'm giving him a B grade this week. He, obviously, he's going against the 24th-ranked pass defense. Plus, for week one, Tennessee's Corey Davis collected six catches, 10 targets, and 69 receiving yards. And for week two, Jermaine Curse had two touchdowns to 64 yards against the Raiders. So I like him there. And for Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed is my number one tight end for the week. I know he's been nicked up a little, but he still has a catch-to-target ratio of 80% this year while working himself back into shape. And then keep in mind, the Raiders were a bottom 10 defense against the pass last season and allowed Delaney Walker to register seven catches and 76 yards in week one. Dolphins take on the Jets. Uh, for the Dolphins side, is there anything left after Jay Ajayi gets done running through what was once a great Jets run defense and is now terrible? Uh, we'll see. But yeah, Ajayi gets the fantasy Fonze this, this week. A one of two running backs to carry the ball more than 25 times last week. Hit that bell cow button if you want. Without Sheldon Richardson, the Jets are allowing 5.4 yards per carry. <clears throat> Music to my ears. It never gets old. Mm -hmm. And uh, New York also owns the second highest opponent rushing play percentage, so Ajayi's going to eat in this one. I'm going to give Jarvis Landry a B in PPR and C in standard leagues. That's basically the story of his life in fantasy football. Uh, only caught three passes in both games against the Jets last year, three in each game. Uh, did see 13 targets last week, and Jets slot corner Buster Screen has been torched many t many a time in his career and been uh, ribbed on this show many times as well, so yes. a good matchup for Jarvis Landry. As it is for Devontae Parker, even though we only had one catch for 17 yards and two catches for eight yards against the Jets last season, we also went Michael Crabtree to New York last week. Devontae Parker is certainly cut from the same cloth, went healthy. He was missing practice with an ankle injury, but he returned in full yesterday. But I just don't know how much the Dolphins are going to need to throw in this game, so that's why he's getting a B and not an A. Uh, Julius Thomas is going on the bench. Decent matchup, but the last time he topped 30 receiving yards was week two of 2016. 
So he's got to prove it before he can play on anyone's fantasy team. And then Jay Cutler was your take-a-chance-on-me quarterback charge. And then for the Jets, not a whole lot to talk about here other than Jermaine Curse, who gets a C. Of course, Jermaine Curse is tied for second in wide receiver touchdowns with J.J. Nelson, Nelson Aguilar, Kenny Galladay, and Benny Fowler. Well, we of all course. saw that coming. Yeah, Jermaine uh, Curse. Two course. weeks into the season. Yes. Uh, Miami has allowed double-digit PPR points to 10 different wide receivers over the last six games. And Curse has been the only wide receiver worth throwing to, so he should see some heavy volume in this one. And then on benching the running backs, no back has more than 15 carries or 70 yards on the season. With a gun to my head, I'll play Matt Forte because of his six catches and 58 receiving yards. But I am not giving up on Bilal Powell, Charge. I have oh. many leagues I'm holding. <laughs> Forte's going to retire. I'm sticking I, to that I, I, Yeah, Well, you better yeah. stick to the narrative because it's been brutal so far. It has, but I'm holding. Um, speaking of... Jermaine Curse. I am starting him in the free-to-play Chase Charge game, which you can go to fanball.com slash charge, play against me for free. And um, and he's um, he's in my lot. Play for free. Play for free. Beat you, win a ticket to the Week 17 championship with a $15,000 prize pool. Also win some cash along the way this week. You'd be remiss to not get in this game. Correct. Cowboys take on the Cardinals. Zeke mailed it in last week, and now things don't get any easier this week against a Cardinals defense that's holding opposing running backs to 2.5 yards per carry. They ranked number one against the run last year. They're excellent against the run this year. Zeke's just a B starter for me, and honestly, he, he would trend more towards C than A. Let's go to the passing game where Dak Prescott is a C grade. It's only two games, but so far, Dak, I don't, to my eyes, Dak hasn't evolved as a sophomore. I mean, Trevor Simeon's evolved more than I've seen Dak Prescott evolve. In from year one to year two. Now it's been part because Trevor Simeon was a lot worse last year. But anyway, his accuracy has been worse than last year. It took him 50 passes, Dak, 50 passes last week to get to 238 yards. That's it? He'll travel to Arizona. He faces a solid secondary with Tony Jefferson and Patrick Peterson and Honey Badger. Speaking of Honey Badger, you know, he's not that good anymore. He's wow. He draws the slot coverage, and that means Cole Beasley, but he's been bad. He was shaky last year. He's been bad this year. I think it's a solid opportunity for Cole Beasley, who comes in with a C grade. Des Bryant, C grade, that's it. He ranks second in the NFL, 23 targets, so they're throwing the balls away a lot, but this is a tough matchup. He'll get Patrick Peterson for the whole game. Peterson held T.Y. Hilton to four receptions and 49 yards last week. In their previous matchup, which was 2014, Peterson held Des Bryant too, two catches, fifteen yards on ten targets. So a lot left to not like about Des Bryant in this game. Let's flip over to the Arizona side. Jay's take a chance to be quarterback was Carson Palmer. I've got a B grade on him. I like him as well. Larry Fitzgerald should get some extra action this week because John Brown has already been ruled out. J.J. Nelson may not play in this game. He looks like a true game time decision. The passing offense should go through Larry Fitzgerald here. Be sure to check on especially Orlando Skandrick's status. He is the slot cornerback who would guard him. Skandrick did not play last week, and he's a game-time decision. If Skandrick doesn't go, I really like Fitzgerald, and he would bump up to a potential A grade without Orlando Skandrick in. As for J.J. Nelson, it's the hamstring injury that I mentioned earlier. He has scored in six of the last seven. So if he does go, still a good start. This is a secondary, likely without cornerbacks Nolan Carroll and... <clears throat> Chidobi Awuzi, I think is how you say it. Awuzi. We're going to go with that. You are correct, sir. Yes. It's the first time I've gotten that right. 
If J.J. Nelson doesn't go, consider Jerron Brown as a sneaky pickup off the waiver wire and start against this beat-up secondary. On the bench, Kerwin Williams. Star uh, B-grade on Chris Johnson, easily the most effective runner for the Cardinals last week, and he'll get the bulk of the carries against a team that just allowed Denver to roll up 178 rushing yards last week. How hard was it for you to just say B-John or B-grade for Chris Johnson? I hate I, you know you know how I feel about Chris Johnson. I'm not I'm not a fan of Chris Johnson at all, but the reality is he's the best runner on that team, and this is a pretty darn good matchup. When we come back, we still have three more matchups to go. We've got premature speculation to go, and we will try to work in some phone calls as well in light. Final segment of Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson, Jay Clemens with you. Premature speculation, guys, you can pick up this week that are generally on the waiver wire that people will be trying to get next week, but wow, you already got him. I love that. Jay, who you got? I've got Devontae Booker, running back for the Broncos. Uh, his last 10 games last year, as a rookie, he tallied 85 total yards and or one touchdown six different times. Uh, for the final two weeks, he had 10 targets in week 16, and then 109 total yards and two touchdowns week 17. Basically, had he not gotten hurt, he might have been the guy right now, so go ahead and jump in. Get him. He's a must-handcuff for anyone that owns C.J. Anderson. Okay. Brian. I'm going Jets tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins. You mean the guy who was so fat they're not going to let on the field this week? That's not confirmed yet. Oh, guys, just rumor. Well, that makes it more rumor. of a premature speculation because he will be further along next week. Okay. Uh, and I don't like the matchup a whole lot this week. Uh, but starting week four, Jacksonville, Cleveland, New England, Miami, Atlanta. Those are all plus matchups outside of New England for tight ends. I don't know. Right now, Will Ty and Eric Tomlinson, who cares about those guys, the current Jets no. tight ends? ASJ will come in and bump them right down on the depth chart. Don't forget, Gary Barnage was a pro bowler because of Josh McCown. <laughs> and he could do the same for ASJ, who is arguably the most physically talented pass catcher on that team, when in shape, transforming his life. Give him a shot. We'll see what he can do. My premature speculation guy is Orleans Darkwa, running back for the Giants. He's not a special talent, but Paul Perkins is averaging one. Point nine yards per carry. That makes Darkwa's career average of 3.9 look <laughs> downright explosive. This is a desperate Giants team and a desperate coaching staff. They will be making changes to this offense, and Darkwa could emerge as the primary ball carrier as quickly as this week. And frankly, I would welcome it. We also touched on Dante Foreman earlier in the show. Recommend him for the for uh, as a pickup opportunity as well if he is all if he is available. All right, let's get down to our final set of matchups. Chiefs take on the Chargers, Jay. Kareem Hunt, obvious start. Yes, obvious A, uh, tailback leader in rushing yards, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Boom. Uh, Alex Smith, I've got a C grade for him. Uh, yes, the Chargers have a good uh, pass defense statistically, but uh, Smith last year, two games, averaged 313 passing yards and two touchdowns. I've got a B grade for Tyreek Hill. Uh, slot receivers have either scored two touchdowns or posted double-digit catches versus the Bolts this season. Uh, Brandon Flowers, uh, one of those slot uh, defenders, he's allowed the third most yardage per snap of any quarterback uh, last season. Mm. At least. Uh, Travis Kelsey, it would be an A grade, but I do have one small caveat. He has never scored against the Chargers, so okay. he's like a B plus. All right. Uh, then for the Chargers, uh, Philip Rivers has a B grade. Uh, the Chiefs currently ranked 27th against the pass. Uh, for this year, Rivers has either thrown for 300 yards or, or tallied three touchdowns per outing. 
Uh, the only downside is he's never accounted for 300 yards passing and or three touchdowns in his last six games against the Chiefs. Hmm. Uh, Melvin Gordon is an A-grade. Just move on. Uh, Keenan Allen, a lot of people were doubting him, but I think he's risen up. Uh, it's Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and Keenan Allen are the only two NFL wideouts to have double-digit targets for both weeks one and two. That's the list. Uh, Tyrell Williams, I've given him a grade C. He's averaged five catches, 60 yards, six targets his last three games. That's not so great, but the Chiefs ranked 27th against the pass. Here's the thing. I don't see Marcus Peters defending Tyrell Williams very much. Marcus Peters was the number two cornerback, according to Pro Football Focus last year. Tyrell is spared from that experience. And for a C grade at tight end, I've got Hunter Henry, who bounced back from a, an invisible week one to post seven catches and 80 yards last year. And then keep in mind, Zach Ertz had five catches and 97 yards against the Chiefs in week two. Bengals take on the Packers. The Bengals' offense, needless to say, as everybody's fully aware, no touchdowns yet. You get on the board this time? I think so. Uh, A.J. Green, start with him. Give him an A. Uh, just because ESPN's Teddy Bruschi predicts he'll have 200 yards in this game, so if he doesn't <laughs> tweet Teddy, it's his fault. Uh, Brandon LaFell, going to give him a C. LaFell has 12 targets this year, uh, as opposed to Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and something called Cody Core, who have combined for six targets. Hey, I covered him. Back okay. in the day. That's you great. did. Uh, Tyler Eifert is out of this game, so LaFell has sneaky upside in a likely shootout scenario. Number yeah. two receivers have fared well against Green Bay. Joe Mixon is the only running back I'm giving a starting grade to and give him a C. He is being outsnapped by Gio Bernard, but has gotten more touches than any other Bengals running back. Last week, the Packers surrendered 145 yards and three touchdowns to Atlanta running backs, and offensive coordinator Bill Lazor is on the hot seat. He's got to give Mixon the ball and give him the ball It's his lot. first week. What? Nick Lazor. Yeah. Oh, his new. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's the new guy. Yeah, my yeah, bad. He's the new guy. Yep. But he does not want to be on the hot seat like the old guy who wasn't giving the ball to Joe Mixon. And Zampezi, I believe that was. All I, right, I, I do believe there's a good scenario, a good a good case to be made for trading for Joe Mixon right now because he's dirt cheap. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it and Bill Lazor will probably shake some things up, including let's get the most talented running back we've got on the field a lot more often. Plus, he cannot fail. Like, he cannot do any worse than they've already done. No, yeah. There's nowhere to go but up. Basically what I was going with there. Then Andy Dalton, desperation C. A healthy Eifert would make him more viable. I'd, I'd rather go with the take a chance on me quarterback in this game. Uh, for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, A for auto start. Uh, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, I'll give them both an A. Even though Jordy is question, questionable, he is expected to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Randall Cobb is out. That right. makes Geronimo, or not out, but he's looking doubtful, yeah. likely will be out. That makes Geronimo Allison a thing again. I would go yeah. grab him. Especially if you're a Cobb owner and expecting to start him in this game. Uh, with Cobb out, Allison could see a healthy amount of targets. I'll give Martellus Bennett a desperation C. Uh, since he's not great against tight ends, but they've only faced Baltimore and Houston. and uh, so Without Cobb, I think that opens up the middle of the field a little bit for Bennett. But Bennett had a bad, bad game last week. A bunch of drops, and he was yeah, and, he and looked and terrible. Richard, Rod- Richard Rodgers and Lance Kendricks are annoyances. They've combined to steal eight targets, too. They always step in at the wrong time. So, I yeah, I'm, I'm on bench in Bennett now. I've changed my mind. All right. And Ty Montgomery gets a B, uh, has garnered 29 of Green Bay's 33 rushing attempts, but has only gained 89 yards on 29 carries, a long run of eight yards. Uh, with injuries on the Packers' offensive line, Montgomery could see a lot more work in the passing game. Houston running backs had six catches last week, so that's probably how he'll make his, make his hay in this game. Seattle takes on Tennessee as our final matchup, and ah, Russell Wilson, earlier I recommended that you just drop him outright. I've got a C grade on him here. I think he's startable, but you know these first halves of seasons are killing him, and the last three seasons and games played in the first half of the year, 
he's got just two games where he's had more than one touchdown. And so I think we're looking at one, and maybe we can eke out a second touchdown out of, out of Russell Wilson here. Tennessee's allowed only uh, only three passing touchdowns in, in the two games. So, you know, we'll try to get to one touchdown here. If it's going to go to somebody, it's probably going to go to Baldwin, who's leading the team in every receiving category. That's not saying a lot, though. Leading the team in every receiving category in Seattle means you're five catches for 52 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, Tennessee allowed the has allowed the seventh most yards and second most um, touchdowns to wide receivers uh, last year. So you know maybe there's something to be had here for Baldwin, but I don't, I don't love it. Uh, let's uh, staying with that. Let's go with uh, Jimmy Graham. He's going to try try to play hurt with an ankle injury, but just four catches for nine yards so far. They're making him stay in and block, and he's going to be a game time decision. So he's on the bench. I don't think you can go with him here. And then for Richardson and Lockett, they kind of cannibalize each other. I don't. I don't think there's enough success here to go around against uh, against Tennessee for you to feel confident with either one. But they could share a touchdown. But I don't have a strong feeling for either one for which one might have more success. So I recommend you leave both on the bench, and I've got bench grades on them. Let's talk Chris Carson. Tennessee has not allowed more than 76 rushing yards in any game, and does lead. However, the Seahawks in all the rushing categories got 20 touches last week, which was great. Uh, the X factor here, though, is Thomas Rawls. He rolled into last week's game as a game-time decision with an ankle injury, and now he's healthy. He's not even on the injury report. Rawls may end up getting more looks than he got last week, and that could eat into into Carson. I've got a C grade on Carson against a good Tennessee run defense. Let's go to the Tennessee side. No Corey Davis in this game. He will not play, and that, that hurts this passing offense. I've got C grades around for most of the members of the passing offense. Mariota's a C. He has not scored multiple touchdowns since way back in Week 12 of last year, and Seattle's pass defense remains elite. Aside from Aaron Rodgers, uh, the average quarterback game against the uh, against against the Seahawks going back to last year, 189 passing yards per game, just 0.3 touchdowns. All right, and moving on, let's go to uh, tight end. Delaney Walker, Seattle's allowed just three tight end scores in the last 20 games, so he's only a C grade as well. I mentioned Corey Davis is out. That means that Rashard Matthews gets Richard Sherman, so he's dead to us. Opposite him, Eric Decker, if you want your five catches for 50 yards, at least he's not on Sherman. He can help you that way. Lastly, let's go to the running backs. We talked about Murray and and Henry a lot. Murray comes into this game with a hamstring injury. Don't even know if he's going to play. He hasn't topped 44 yards rushing in four straight games going back to last year. Henry's the man right now, six yards per carry. Murray may not go. He gets a B grade, 14 carries last week, and he looked good in him. In every game in which he has had 14 carries or more and throughout his career, he has scored a touchdown. Last week, if Carlos you, Hyde rolled up 100 yards on Seattle. If you have Henry in your lineup, keep him in there even if Murray plays. Yeah, I agree with that too. Just Absolutely. Keep him in there. Yep. Just lock uh, him in. A B grade for Henry, and I don't know that it changes much with a hobbled Henry no. on or hobbled Murray on the field. All right, we're going to try to work in a few phone calls here at the bitter end. I'm sorry it took this long, but we will do our best to get to your calls. Many of you have been on hold a long time. Better part of two hours. Thank you. Mike, you are first. Hey, guys. Uh, Devontae Adams or uh, Isaiah Crowell in a non-PPR flex. Adams or Crowell? Non-PPR, I would go, uh, I think I'll go Adams this week. Wade, you're up next. Hello. How you doing? Good, thanks. We can't hear you, Wade. I'm going to put you on hold. You can get us off a speaker. Brian, you are next. Hi there. Um, well, what I wanted to ask about, I have five running backs and some two starts, but that's not going to work for a No, it won't. I need you to bring it down so, to two, Brian. 
So how about I ask between two defenses, okay. Baltimore or Minnesota? Ooh, I love Baltimore this uh, week. Yeah, Baltimore against Bordeaux Potty all day. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for them. And one, and one other question. Why don't you guys go to three hours when you can get in more calls and you don't have to go as fast? I know. Wouldn't that be nice? Let me ask Let's, Meat Sauce. Meat yeah. Sauce. Yeah, 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 Saturdays at Sauce would be very, very bitter with us if we did that. Uh, Wade, you're back. Hello. I am back. Hey, I was saying I was on hold so long time. He's injured again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I need to pick a tight end up off the scrap heap because I have Jimmy Graham and I don't want to start him. So I need I need the I short have, version uh, here, Wade. I don't need available. the long version. Uh, Clay available, and I have uh, the tight end, uh, New Orleans tight end available. Fleener's available? Yeah. Fleener and Clay? Both of them are. Yeah. If for just this week I've got Fleener higher, but Clay long term I like a lot better because Willie Sneed's going to come back, and I think he will ultimately end up eating into some of what Fleener has given us. So that's that's how I would approach it. Brian in Portland, thank you for calling in again. Yeah, hi. Uh, I have Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz. Okay. I would go Carson Wentz this week. Uh, you know, no offense to a Prescott, but basically Wentz has the, the, the momentum. He's got the better receivers uh, and the better matchup. Yeah, uh, and we can offend players all we want. Don't feel bad about that. Uh, ben, you're up next. Hey, guys. I'll keep it quick. Uh, Abdullah... Or, I guess, Funches? Abdullah who? Uh, Amir Abdullah. Or Funches? Is that what you said? Yeah, or Funches. Okay. I'm, uh, Atlanta is very bad against uh, pass-catching backs. I know Riddick, Riddick's in the mix, but Abdullah will get his share there, so I'm going Abdullah. Joel and Duluth, hello. Uh, I love the show, guys. Thank, Thank you. you for what you do. Uh, half point, 10-team league. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins or Des Bryant? DeAndre Hopkins, I told you all these negative stats on Des Bryant, and he only got a C grade for me in this game. And uh, it looks like a brutal matchup with Patrick Peterson. So I just I don't like Des this week. Andrew, hello. Uh, yeah, Brandon Coleman, Stephon Diggs, and a standard scoring. Okay. I, I know I gave Coleman a C grade, but I, I'll go Diggs in this matchup. All right, even with Case Keenum. Paul, you're next. Uh, PPR, uh, Carson Wentz, or Derek Carr? I don't know who's going to catch more passes in a PPR league between those two, but I'm going Derek Carr. Easy. Uh, Rich, you're next. Full PPR, uh, Kyle Rudolph or Kobe Fleener? Uh, I told you a lot of reasons I was worried about Kyle Rudolph this week. I'm going to Fleener one more time. Thanks, Rich. Andy, you're our last call of the day. Um, hey, so half-point PPR, uh, Manny Sanders or Calvin Benjamin? I would go, I've got... Sanders slightly below Benjamin, uh, especially against the Saints. Go Benjamin there. Yeah, Saints secondary all beat up with injury, and they were awful to begin with. Kelvin Benjamin, for all of your for all of your Panthers, if not now, when? Right? If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast, KFN Fan On Demand. Tony has made a solemn oath to post the podcast immediately. I already started building it. Already, I, I love it. Absolutely fantastic. You can also hear it on the iHeartRadio app, and uh, we encourage you to leave rankings and reviews for the show. Saturdays with Sauce coming up next, and a 7 o'clock start for this show next week.